Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. Are you perhaps angry at someone right now? Are you struggling with bitterness? Are words coming out of your mouth that you wish you didn't say? Well, we have a very down-to-earth paragraph from the Bible today that will teach us how to handle negative emotions. Would you take out your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Paul the Apostle is writing from prison to the Christians in Ephesus around 60 AD or so. But Ephesians chapter 4, let's learn how we should handle negative feelings. Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray now for each of us that as we open the Word of God, you will help us deal with our anger and bitterness in ways that honor you. We ask you to speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Here's the first lesson today. Watch bending the truth. You ever notice when you're in, in an argument with someone how easy it is to just bend the truth a little bit in your direction? <laughs> We've got to guard against that. When you find your blood pressure going up and just try to take a breath and try to be objective and don't let your emotions twist the truth. One scholar wrote this, Lies have no place in the community of Christ. Because our Lord is himself the truth, his body, the church, must reflect the truth. Because each member belongs to the rest, the fellowship of the church will be marked by a refreshing openness. Verse 25 says to speak the truth. A few verses earlier, Paul said, speak the truth in love. I think you know people and so do I. They speak the truth all right, but they speak it with a sledgehammer. And Paul says, no, speak the truth, but do it gently in love. I got a very angry email yesterday from a woman that sees the, the show and a Christian woman, I believe, but wow, was she upset with something I said. And Pastor Brock, how dare you? Pastor Brock, shame on you, etc. So I wrote her back and I try to be polite and I wrote her back and I explained what was going on. And, and then I said, can I share one more thought? Second Timothy chapter two says to correct people with gentleness. I encourage you to do that. <laughs> so speak the truth in love, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Did you notice that? It's not a sin to be angry. In fact, that verse says be angry and do not sin. So here's the next lesson. Watch the way you get angry. That's what gets people in trouble. Anger is not a sin, but the way you get angry can become a sin. And it says in verse 26, 
Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do you try to put your anger away or do you take it to bed and lay in your bed and churn about people? I remember hearing a pastor say, he said, my wife and I, when we were first married, got into an argument. We both went to bed. We turned with our backs to each other and neither of us slept that night. He said at 5 a.m. we turned toward each other, talked it out, and he said, we made a pact early in our marriage. We will never go to bed angry. And if we have to stay up till 3 a.m. to talk things out, we will never go to bed angry. I think that's the meaning of this verse. Now, how do I handle my anger in a healthy way? Well, I'll, uh, let me share with you three things I do when I get angry. This helps me. Number one, I pray. Prayer is very therapeutic for me. And when I get angry, it, it helps me to get on my knees and just talk to God about it. And what I discover sometimes when I'm praying, that person didn't do anything to me. This is me being too touchy. So, so first, pray about it. And then the second thing to do with your anger, reconcile as soon as possible. I heard a psychiatrist say, one day I was leaving my house for the office and my wife snapped at me. And I drove to the office angry. And when I got to the office, I immediately picked up the phone, called my wife, we talked it out on the phone so I could get on with the rest of the day. I, that's the way I am too. If I've got to deal with something negative, let's do it right now. Let's not wait three weeks. So if you can reconcile as soon as possible, that'll help your mental health. <laughs> and so pray about it, reconcile quickly. And the third thing that helps me when I get angry, talk it out with someone. It says in Proverbs chapter 11, in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. So sometimes it helps me to go to a disinterested third party who doesn't know the person I'm upset with, otherwise that's gossip. But find someone who doesn't know that person and talk it out. And is, am I being too touchy here? Or how, do, how would you handle this with this person, etc.? So pray, reconcile as soon as possible, and if you need to, talk it out. I, you know, the, the book of James says, be slow to anger. I used to work for a boss who was quick to anger. He was kind of a spooky guy to work for. And then I left that job and I became a pastor in a church up here in Minneapolis. I worked with two Lutheran pastors. They were saints of God. And I worked with these two for many years. I think I saw each of them angry once. <laughs> that is the difference the Holy Spirit can make. So be slow to anger, but if you are angry, that's not a sin, but pray about it, reconcile quickly, talk it out if you need to. Verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity. If you're mad at somebody, and you're always looking for another reason to be mad at them, that's like opening a door in your heart and saying, come on in, Satan, and mess up my emotions. I will tell you that I know a dear Christian woman. A few years ago, she was very hurt by something. I don't talk to her real often, but when I do, she always brings it up. And I said to her recently, you got to forgive those people and you got to let it go. 
Look at verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. The word literally in Greek is let no rotten word. Here's the next lesson. No rotten talk. Years ago, I worked for a summer in a factory. And when I came home every day, I felt like taking a bath, not because of the grime of the factory, but because of the language I heard all day. Let's talk about rotten talk. It's everywhere in our culture, TV, movies. Listen, I want to urge you as a Christian, don't just go to a movie. First, go to PluggedIn.com and they review all the movies. And if it says, this movie has 150 F-words, don't go to that movie. It's not healthy for you. We need to avoid rotten talk. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, Corruption of the language shows corruption of the mind. If you're using corrupt language, that shows corruption of the mind. And let me share here three things I hear Christians say that we really shouldn't say. Number one, oh hell. Well, what's wrong with saying that? Well, there is a place called hell. People who reject Christ go to eternal torment. You don't want to trivialize that by using hell as a cuss word. Another thing Christians shouldn't say, damn it. Why shouldn't we say damn it? Because we don't have the right to damn anything. Only God has the right to damn things. And the third thing I hear Christians saying, this bugs me the most, oh my God, there's a certain TV preacher and in the middle of his sermon, he'll go, oh my God. No, no, the second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The word God, Lord, Jesus Christ are to be used reverently, not as cuss words. Well, you know, maybe you don't cuss, but let's talk about another kind of rotten talk. Gossip. Do you think God wants you to read the National Enquirer? All these gossip TV shows about all the celebrities, are those healthy to watch? We need to be careful about gossip. And then another kind of rotten words, negativity. People are always negative. Uh, there's a saying, some people bring joy wherever they go. Others bring joy whenever they go. <laughs> Are you a negative person? Well, be it cussing, be it gossip, be it negativity, watch your words. And look at the rest of verse 29. But build up, give only such a word as is good for edification. That means building people up according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. Here's the next lesson. Build people up with your words. The Bible does say, if your brother sins, rebuke him. There is a time to rebuke people and correct people, but generally, normally, we should build people up with our words. My mom was a great mom in many ways, but she never complimented you. And when mom was old, my sister, said, Mom, why didn't you compliment us kids when we were growing up? And Mom said, I didn't want you to get a big head. <laughs> well, no, listen, we need to build up our kids 
build up your grandkids. We're supposed to edify the Christian, the body of Christians, the church. Look at verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of salvation. Here's the next lesson. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is a person. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are some cults that teach the Holy Spirit is not God. He's not a person. He's like a force or a power. He's, he's the wind. Well, no, no, no. You can't grieve the wind. You can't grieve a force. You can only grieve a person, which is why we believe in the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. So if I, if I use rotten words, I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes when I ask for forgiveness, I don't just say, God, forgive me for hurting that person and for hurting myself. I say, and forgive me for grieving your Holy Spirit. And it says in verse 30, we are sealed by the power of the, by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean, that the Holy Spirit has sealed us? Well, when Paul wrote that letter in 60 AD, the emperor would put his seal on a letter. And that meant this is really from the emperor. In other words, a seal meant this is genuine. And when God gave you the Holy Spirit in baptism, <clears throat> he was saying, this is genuinely mine now. This person represents me. The second thing a seal meant was ownership. If, if Caesar put his seal on a chest of gold, that means that's Caesar's gold. You don't touch that. And when God put his seal of the Holy Spirit on you, it means from now on I own you. <clears throat> so the seal, sealed in the Holy Spirit, means ownership. God owns us genuineness. We genuinely now represent God. And Paul says something very similar a couple chapters earlier in Ephesians 1. In Christ you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or down payment of our inheritance until we require, acquire possession of it. In other words, God puts the Holy Spirit in me, and He's the first payment. He's the down payment. He's the guarantee that one day I'm going to get the whole inheritance. Let's look at verse 31. Put away all bitterness. The word bitterness there means resentment, keeping a score of wrongs. Let all wrath be put away. The word wrath there in Greek means rage, an outburst of uncontrolled passion. Verse 31 says, put away clamor. Literally in Greek, that means shouting. Put away slander, that means speaking evil of someone. And how do I do that? How do I put all these negative emotions away? Again, pray about it. Reconcile quickly if you can. And then thirdly, if you need to talk it out somewhere with an objective third party, do that. And then verse 32, and be kind to one another. Literally, the word kind there is become kind. I think Paul knows we ain't arrived yet. We're in the process here. Become kind. The word kind means a sweet and generous disposition. And forgive each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. The word as there means our next lesson. Our forgiveness for others is to look like God's forgiveness for us. 
Jesus said in, in Matthew <clears throat> chapter 6, if you forgive others their trespasses, God will forgive you yours. But if you don't forgive them, God doesn't forgive you. I'll tell you what I thought about <laughs> looking at that verse. <clears throat> Believe it or not, I used to be pretty liberal. My high school years and my first year in college, I was very liberal. And in high school and college, I had a friend named Sam who was a conservative William F. Buckley Republican, and he and I clashed, and it got pretty ugly. Well, um, I go off to college, and my second year in college, I start getting pretty conservative. And I'm reading my Bible more now, and I kind of turned around. But uh, there was still a lot of this between Sam and I. Well, I go to this Christian seminar, and the, the preacher says, close your eyes. And the Lord might bring to your mind somebody you need to go apologize to. <laughs> Sam came right to my mind. And I was up in, in uh, Minneapolis here going to college, and Sam was down in Nebraska. And so I, I prayed a prayer that I thought was safe. Okay, Lord, if you want me to apologize to Sam, you make it happen. I go home to Omaha for vacation. My friends and I go out to dinner. And who's standing up at the bar but Sam? And I start squirming. And I think my friends realize something's wrong here. And, and I said to them, excuse me. I went over to the bar and I said, hi, Sam. And I just want to apologize for the way I've treated you the last few years. Will you forgive me? And he was very nice about it. Oh, sure, I forgive you. And I went back and sat down. So glad I got it over with. And you know what? Sam, who lives in Nebraska, sees this TV show now many years later, and he likes our show. <laughs> so it just tells you how God can turn things around. But we are commanded to forgive each other. And so let me ask you, is there someone that you need to make a phone call to write a letter to, have a one-on-one face-to-face -on -one -face with? Is anybody coming to your mind that you need to apologize and say, I'm sorry? And let me just say one more thing. Don't just say, I'm sorry. Go the extra mile and say, and will you forgive me? I'll tell you how I learned this. I took a, a group of young adults to Colorado from our church once. And Keith and Vicki are going to go on a hike. And I had some stuff I wanted to do, but okay, well, I'll come back in an hour. They were going to hike just for an hour. I'll come back and I'll pick you up and then I'll go do my stuff. So I come back in an hour, no Keith and Vicky. Two hours, no Keith and Vicky. Three hours, I was so mad. And they came back down the mountain and, oh, oh Vicky says, sorry, Tom. And I said, okay, all right. And Keith said, no, Tom, we are sorry. Will you forgive us? <laughs> And I said, yeah, and my anger broke. Sometimes it's not just enough to say, I'm sorry. Go the extra mile and say, and will you forgive me? Well, those are some of the things the Bible tells us to do with our negative emotions. Again, the main thing I want to ask you, though, is there someone you need to go to and say, will you forgive me? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights 
to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, in light of your sermon today, my first question for you is, do you always need to confront someone who's hurt you? Well, there are two things the Bible teaches. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. But then the book of Proverbs says, it is a glory for a man to overlook an offense. So Jackie, this can get tricky. When do I have to confront somebody and when can I let, let it go? And for me, if I can't let it go, that probably means I need to go talk to that person. So I th you know, we for when we pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive others, we should stop and make sure we're forgiving others. But then if you can't seem to let it go, it might, it's probably best to go talk to the person. Okay. Yeah. Some churches used to teach that it's wrong to go to like movies and things and that. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, there used to be a lot of churches that would teach going to films is wrong. What about today? Well, it's more wrong now than it was back then. I mean, back then the movies were pretty clean, but they're pretty filthy today. And Jackie, again, I'm going to say, I don't think it's a sin to go to a movie, but it's a sin to go to some movies. If you're, go, if you're going to movies that have lots of nudity, etc., I don't think the Lord wants you going there. I remember a, a woman you know from our church called Eunice. She said when she was a little girl, her pastor would preach. When you go to that movie, if Jesus were to come back during that film, would, he want, would you want him to find you in that theater? So again, there's a, a website called PluggedIn.com. I go there a lot, and if I see there's nudity, lots of foul language, I don't go to the film. PluggedIn.com. It's hard to find a good movie to take children to in yeah. this day and That's age why I, I watch lots of real old movies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what if I can't reconcile with someone because they're dead? Yeah. You know, if you've waited too long yeah. and somebody dies. Well, you know, Jackie, my dad died when I was 19 years old. And there were, were unresolved things between him and I. And later, I got some counseling about my issues with dad. And what the counselor had me do, and I still remember doing it, she had me write out a letter to my dad where I shared with him some of the hurts and in which I said, Dad, I forgive you and, uh, uh, for these things. Now he's dead, of course, didn't hear any of it, but it was therapeutic for me. So if someone is dead and you can't reconcile with them, talk it out with another Christian, have some prayer time about the whole issue. If you need to write a letter to the dead person in which you air your griefs, but also grant them forgiveness, that can be healthy. Okay. Yeah. Am I gossiping if I talk to someone about how someone else has hurt me? If that person knows the person who has hurt you, I think it's wrong. So, let, Jackie, let's say you're bugging me right now, okay. okay? And I go to Mike, the camera guy, and I say, you know what Jackie just said to me, Reverend? That would be a sin. But if I go to someone who doesn't know you, and I say, you know, I work with this person, and she did this... I think to talk it out with someone who's a disinterested third party, I think that's okay. I don't think it's gossip then. Okay. Do you take their advice all the time? Sometimes. Okay. I was just curious. <laughs> so I guess my next question would be, am I sinning if I do get angry? Right. And, and what, what Ephesians 4 said, Paul the Apostle said, be angry and do not sin. 
So if Paul's telling me to be angry, that's not a sin in and of itself to be angry. It's the way we get angry that can be a sin. And Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Next, next part of the verse, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So Paul means deal with this quickly. Don't let it go on for weeks. Okay, can you give us a little better explanation of exactly who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. We know God in three persons, right. Father, Son, and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. When, when we say there's one God in three persons, we don't mean necessarily that they're like people up there, but they're persons in the sense that each person of the Trinity has a mind, will, and emotions. God thinks, he speaks, he has emotions, he can love, he can get angry. Uh, so uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses do not believe in the Trinity. They don't believe the Holy Spirit is God. They think he's just a force. But again, Ephesians 4, you, gr you can't grieve a force. You can only grieve a person. So the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the, the triune God. So what exactly does the Holy Spirit do in our lives then? Yeah, Jesus said when the Spirit of God comes, he will lead you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit leads you unto all truth. He will convict us of sin. So if I sin, I feel convicted. Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work. Uh, the Holy Spirit uh, gives us various spiritual gifts. There's like, uh, what is it, 18 gifts of the Holy Spirit prophecy, teaching, speaking in tongues, mercy, the, con the gift of giving, gift of leadership. So every Christian has a gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our paraclete, which in Greek means our called alongside one. In other words, the Holy Spirit gets me through life. He comes by my side. He's the comforter, as Jesus said. Okay, then my next question for you, Tom, would be, is, does the Holy Spirit ever leave someone? I mean, you talked about grieving the Holy yeah, Spirit. Yeah. Well, it does say in the Old Testament of King Saul, now the Spirit of God left Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord came to him. So, so he evil got, spirits come from the Lord too? That's what it said. Oh, okay. Saul had rebelled against God. The Holy Spirit leaves Saul, and a demon comes for mm -hmm. Saul. And so, Jackie, <laughs> now the question is, that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when you receive the Holy Spirit, does the Holy Spirit ever leave you? Well, the Bible says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Um, so part of me wants to say no, but I, I, I'm a little confused on, I don't know exactly the answer to some of this stuff. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Pastor's Study this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're all together again next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. 
May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.